So we are starting a new series here today. And, you know, as we were talking about communicating the vision for this new property, it was like, well, the best way to do that is just to be here. I almost don't have to say anything. You guys are like, please don't. Let's just leave. And it's like, it's so beautiful just to hang out here on the property and spend some time. Remember the first time that Kelly and I drove by this property, it was years ago. And we, of course, were meeting in the school. And so we were just kind of like, we weren't looking for it. We just drove past it. And we kind of like everyone else on planet Earth, we're like, what is that place? And so we pulled over and we're kind of creeping, looking through the gates and stuff. And, and uh, we found out later that the, uh, the owner, he used to have people come all the time that thought this was a park. Like most of us probably drove by it, thought it was a park. One day he drove down from his building up top and, and he came down and some ladies just like sitting out on the grass. And he's like, can I help you? And she's like, leave me alone. I'm trying to eat my lunch in the park. He's like, this is my property. And so uh, a lot of people are kind of curious, like, what is this place? And so Kelly and I were doing the same thing, minus the eating out here and trespassing. And so as uh, we were just looking, I remember very clearly, Kelly said, we should buy this place for the church and build the church here. And I was like, yeah, right, right. And God's laughing at me from heaven going, listen to your, your wife, you idiot, right? That's one of God's favorite phrases toward me, by the way. But just soon after that, Mr. Scarallo called us and said, hey, there's this property you guys need to check out. We had no clue what was going on here. And so we, we began to look into it. And before we knew it, we have the realtors walking us around on the property. And the first day we were here, it was like, you, we just fell in love with it. We actually came from another place that I, I don't even get into describing how lame it was in comparison to this. But the realtor literally looked at us and said, like, there's no way you're going to buy that place now because now all you can see is this. But then he said, I don't see this working out either. He was like, I don't think this is going to happen. This is a long shot. This is a dream. And I think it's pretty neat that we're here today because God doesn't really care what realtors say can't happen, right? And so here we are. And I just am so thankful that through all of the craziness that we've been through as a church, um, you know, as we were kind of making offers on this, the back and forth, and then it seemed like it died. It seemed like it wasn't going to happen, and it did happen. And we were just so grateful for all that God has done. But what I want to do today is just answer the question, why build a church here? Like, why do this? Why go through it? It's a lot. It's a lot to do, right? There's a lot to it. There's stress. There's money. There's time. There's energy. There's resources. It's, it's a lot to build a church. And so why are we doing this? And some people would say, well, because we outgrew our old space on 347 in Wisconsin. And just real quick, show of hands, if you were ever in that building on Wisconsin Highway there. So about half of you, which is really neat, because that means about half of you have joined us since then, which is incredible. But we have some fond memories of back in the day at that small church there. In fact, to just remind you how small it was, if you look over that way uh, to your left, if you can see the light pole on the grass just to the side of the driveway, take that light pole to the road. Imagine that is just a straight line to the road, right? Then that same light pole, I want you to take that way, okay? That is the size of the lot we used to own on 347 in comparison to what God has blessed us with. Now, you guys might remember cramming everybody into that little building. The parking was a nightmare. How many of you guys ever parked on the other side of the road and then jumped over the median? Anybody with me? All right, we got a bunch of you guys. I remember one night in February, I had to come back for the night service. And I'll be honest, I was coming back a little late because the Seahawks were playing the Packers in the playoffs. And so I'm coming back a little late and I'm just about ready to get there on time. I park across the street. I'm going to run across the street. It was a, wint a wintry, like cold, rainy day. And there were puddles on both sides of the median. So I had to jump. I was going to launch, hit the median, and keep going. 
And I unfortunately launched, hit the median, and rolled into the puddle. And so I'm calling Kelly. It's like 6.50. I'm like, I got to preach at the 7. Get me clothes, you know? And so they brought me the clothes, and I changed and got right up on stage as Pat or Joe was finishing up the announcements. But you guys remember how crazy the parking situation was there. And so, yeah, we outgrew our space, right? But it's got to be more than that. There's got to be more than just that that's driving us here, right? Like, imagine, you know, what we were all thinking it's kind of crazy looking back when we begin to say, okay, we're going to sell this property, but where are we going? Well, we don't know yet, right? Like this big step of faith, like we had no idea. We literally were walking out the door selling the property and, and weeks, weeks before we had to actually hand the keys over, we, we had got in touch with Rob Scrito and he gave us this opportunity at the school, which by the way, we were the only church on all of Long Island in a school. Like God opened the door there, which was absolutely incredible. And so why do all this stuff, right? Why go through all the trouble of all these different things and jump through all these hoops? Well, it's the same answer as to why we do all the other things we do. Why do we hand out groceries every Wednesday in the community? Why do we pour so much time and energy into children and youth ministry? Why do we do women's ministry? Why do we go on men's retreats? Why do we um, come together every Sunday? Why do we do one-on-one discipleship? Why do we do small groups? Why do we aim to be a church that helps people center their lives around Jesus? Why do we want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend, but Christians can grow deep in their faith? I'll tell you exactly why we do all this. Actually, I want you to say it with me, okay? Everybody say 7,647,286. Go. That was awful. That was awful. (laughs) In the first service, I had a guy, and he tried to make me think he said it, and he just went 86 at the end, and I was like, you got it. And No, he lied. He lied. He was cheating. Why that? Why 7,647,286? Because that's how many people are on this island. That's how many people need the hope of Jesus. That's how many people there are. And great vision is always birthed in response to great need. And there are 7,647,286 great needs here on this island. And so obviously we're not going to reach them all, right? Thankfully, I got a bunch of great pastor friends who are out there doing it themselves. We were just texting each other this morning, right between services. Some of my buddies are texting me and showing me some video of what God's doing in their service and what's happening. And we're all texting each other and encouraging each other because, man, we're in this beautiful thing called the church and God's people are gathering and we need this more than ever, right? The church is essential more than ever, the hope that we can bring. And so we need to shine brightly in this hour for all these people that need Jesus. Now, if you're not here today and you watch online every week, you're going, well, I don't really care about a building. I don't watch online. Just let me throw out there that A, we're so glad you watch with us, but B, when we have our own space, the online experience will only be that much better. We'll be able to put so much more time and energy into that. Now, some of you guys today are thinking, all right, so what's the deal here? What are we talking about here in this series? Well, a couple things. First off, we're talking about how this next season is critical for our church. This next season is really exciting. It's a time where we can begin to really come together and move with God and what he's wanting to do here on this property and this space. But some of you guys, and I need you to all hear me on this, some of you came today and you could care less about a building. You came here like, Doug, that's all nice and good, but my heart's broken today. My family's falling apart. I have no purpose. I woke up this morning, didn't even want to get out of bed because I'm that depressed. I have all kinds of mess in my life right now. I don't care about a building. Please don't tell me that's what we're talking about today. See, we're talking about the God of the building, not just the building. We're talking about the God who wants to give you a vision because I said before, great vision is always birthed in response to great need. And you have some great needs in your life. And maybe you have no idea what this building stuff's about. You don't even want to hear any more about it. But God, I'm telling you, wants to give you a vision for those needs in your life. 
So while I might be talking about this building today, I also want you to hear me talking about the needs in your life. Because the same God has a vision for both. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here, so glad that you're watching, and maybe you today didn't realize God has a vision for your life. He wants to do something powerful in your life. We're going to talk about that here today. So for a few weeks, we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah. Some of you guys might know know a little bit about Nehemiah. Some of you might not know anything at all about him. But this incredible parallel between his life and what he did and what God's kind of calling us to do as we look at it. And so Nehemiah was this Jew that was exiled. And as a lot of you guys know, the people got all messed up and they got into all kinds of trouble. And so God had them carried off. And so Nehemiah becomes the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And while he's there, some men from Judah, where he was from, come. And he begins to ask them some questions about how is our homeland? Like, like we've been gone now for decades. How is this land that we left? What shape is it in? What's happened there? What's going on? How are the people that survived the exile? And in Nehemiah chapter 1, the men answer back this great need. They say, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And, fire. and right here, Nehemiah's vision is birthed, right? Great vision is always birthed in response to great need. What was the great need for Nehemiah? His people are in trouble. His land is falling apart. The wall that protected the people from intruders has been broken down. The gates have been burned and the exiles are living in disgrace. For you and I, we look and we say, wow, our community is in great trouble. Like never before, right? People's lives broken down. People's lives falling apart. So many hurting and living without purpose. 7,647,286 people that need the hope of Jesus. Verse 4. Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So this vision is moving Nehemiah to action. He's going, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to do something about it. And so he begins to fast and pray and mourn. And he begins to talk to God. And some of Nehemiah's prayer is recorded. And he begins to first, he talks about how awesome and powerful God is. And I want to let you know today, whether you care about a building or you have some other great need in your life, God is awesome and loving. Amen? He's with you today. What you're walking through. My wife Kelly did this incredible message Thursday and talked about the God who gets you. He sees you. He's with you. He knows you. He's strong enough to carry you through all that you're going through. And that's this God that Nehemiah is talking to. And then he begins to confess how much the people have sinned. And he talks about how far they are from God. And then he says, but God, you said something. You promised that if we turn back to you, you'll bring us back into our land. And he asked the Lord for a favor with the king of Persia because he's about to do something bold. He's about to go up to the king of Persia and say, I want to go back home. I know I've been taken here. I know I'm your cupbearer. Basically, I'm your servant, but I'm asking you for permission to go back and rebuild what's been broken. And so he goes before the king and the king grants this favor. Guys, we are like Nehemiah seeing a great need and acting with vision that God would do something powerful here in this process. And I'm not saying this to say anything big about me. I just know how much this whole thing has been on my heart. And I think it's one of the reasons God kept me alive back in January and February was to help see this thing through, that this great vision God's given us as a church to accomplish this would actually be seen through. Chapter 2, Nehemiah goes before the king. The king says, go ahead and do what you got to do. And Nehemiah travels home. And in our mind, we don't really think about what this meant. Nehemiah was traveling to 
back to Judah. And for you and I, we think he went to LaGuardia, right? This nice new LaGuardia. There's water fountains and waterfalls, I understand there now. It's like the greatest, like Disney on Long Island if you're traveling somewhere. And so he goes there, of course, right? And then he gets some Cinnabon and Starbucks in the terminal, jumps on the flight. He's there by dinner. Now, this was a thousand mile trip with no modern transportation, right? Because great, great need requires great action. And you and I are called to some action here. He arrives and he sees that there's all this stuff that needs to be rebuilt. He actually goes out purposefully looking through the city. What needs to be done? And we've been in Hopog now for a few years. And before that, we were in this concert just a few miles away. And we've been in this land and we know what needs to be done, right? We've seen the poor that take those groceries every week. We've got work to do, church. We've seen the rich in the area who have all that they want and are still numbing out with drugs and alcohol. We've seen the youth that need mentorship and love. We've seen young adults looking for something to live for, right? We know what Hopog needs, and we know what God can do through you and through me in this time. Nehemiah 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. He says to the people, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me. And we cannot forget that, everybody. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the gracious hand of God that's been on us in this process. He says, and what the king said to me. You ready for what they replied after Nehemiah makes this great speech? He says, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. I just want to look you in the eyes today, everybody, and say, church, a lot of you are squinting now. Apparently the sun's over here. I'll look you in the half-opened eyes, <laughs> and I want to say to you, let us start rebuilding. You're going, Doug, but there's no building yet. We're not rebuilding, we're building. No, we are rebuilding lives. It'll take a building, but that's not what we're about. We're about rebuilding the lives of people in this community. And I love that Nehemiah saw this great vision which led to action, which was mourning and fasting and prayer and this bold action before the king. And it led to God moving on the heart of the king and this beautiful statement, let's begin this good work. And that's what we're doing here today. We're trying to begin this good work. But Doug, this is scary, right? But wait a minute, the hand of the Lord is on us just like it was on Nehemiah. The hand of the Lord is on us. I just got to remind you of what God has done when we sold the building. We end up in this school. There's an incredible opportunity right down the street. And then we looked at, if you remember, if you were there on that famous 328 day where I kind of announced the purchase of this place, you might remember that we talked about some other options. We had looked at a place on Jericho Turnpike. It was $1.8 million for two and a half acres of dirt. So if we had done that service there today, we'd be like all out just like a mess with dirt all around us and not all this to look at, right? Then we looked at another place, 1.3 million for 1.8 acres of uncleared land. The guy who, who uh, we bought this place from told us he spent $6 million on this place. We got almost five acres here, landscaping, all the stuff we wouldn't have done, all of the tears behind me, all the gazebos, the fire pit, this is what I'm standing on, by the way. Don't throw a match. Um, 5,000 square foot building up at the top of the hill. All of that for $1.55 million. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. You can hardly buy a house on Long Island for $1.55 million right now. That's a God thing. And out of the eight towns we could have gone to when we sold our other building, we ended up in Hop Hog. And in those eight towns, there were 2,124 streets we could have ended up on, but we ended up on Hoffman Lane, the very street this property was on, where my wife said, hey, dummy, let's go buy that for the church. 
God has done incredible things. She didn't say that. She's very sweet. You're going, Doug, again, man, I don't really care about the building. Okay, but that same God who did all this can touch your heart, can give you hope, can rebuild your life, can give you something to live for, can break the addiction. That same God cares about that need that you've walked in with today. But if you do care about the building, you're probably wondering how we're going to pay for it. And so I just want to let you know that I've started a, a side job of acting. And, and man, everybody's just lining up. I'm work, I got a movie with The Rock. I got, it's, it's crazy. So that's how we're going to pay for it. So I'm excited about that. So I got to talk about money for a minute, right? Because how are we going to pay for it? We live in the most expensive place in the whole world. And here's what I want to do, okay? If this is your first time coming or watching online, you're going, this is why I hate church, because I go to church and the guy talks about money. Here's what I want to ask you to do. And, and the people online, you're in on this too. You got to write into the comments this question. I want you, before you leave today, to ask five people, strangers here, you can choose whoever you want, the last time I talked about money from the stage. And they're going to say, I'm not quite sure. Six months ago? No. A year ago? No. 18 months ago? No. Because I hardly ever talk about money from the stage. And the reason is because I know that that's the preconception of what church is, right? I'd rather reach people than get money. I'd rather reach the lost than, than have a bunch of people come in once and say, oh, we, this is what we thought church would be. We don't want to come back. But then another reason I don't talk about money so often, you know what that is? Because you're already so generous. You're already doing it. You're already this. I don't have to address it much because this is who you are and this is what you've done. So I'm going to make you a few promises, okay? First promise, I am not going to ever, ever, ever beg you for money. I got no stomach for it and I'm just not going to do it, okay? I am not going to try to coerce you. I'm not going to duct tape you to your chair today until we raise all the money. It's a lot easier just to close the gates and you'll still be here. And so I'll just do that instead. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to guilt you into anything. I'm just going to ask you to do two, th no, I'm just going to say two things rather, not ask you two things. I'm going to say two things. First off, I'm going to thank you for being the kind of church that gives like you do so that we can operate, so that we can get out of our walls and reach the community, so that we can give toward church plants. We can support missionaries. This church has built an orphanage by itself in Romania. You guys have been incredible. And this is who you are. This is who we are because I'm in on this too. I've got to be. We're in on this. And God has dropped now this incredible opportunity. This, this, I'm telling you, this guy, you ask Pastor Bravone, this guy who owned this property before us was on a mission to finish this thing, even though he knew he wasn't going to be here anymore. Like, it was crazy. The first time we came, he's, under, he's painting the underside of the gazebo, like knowing he's going to sell it. He's painting. He's got people here. They're painting the underside. I don't even paint the underside of my gazebo. I don't even have a gazebo. Like I, you know, here's this guy. Like Every last detail had to be perfect. He's still taking down trees. I don't like where that tree is by the property line. Guy's coming in and taking the leaves out. And, like He was on a mandate from God, I'm telling you, to get this place ready. It just wasn't for him. It was for us. And God did something so powerful. So here's what I am going to ask you to do. And if you don't give a penny to this project, I just say, thank you for being you and thank you for being here. There are people hurting right now. We know that. We were supposed to have this conversation a year ago, right when the pandemic hit. We're like, we cannot talk about this right now. There's so many people hurting. We're not going to talk about money right now. And then it was supposed to be January, but I was in the hospital trying to stay alive then. So that didn't quite work out so well. And so here we are now. And if you don't ever give a dime to this, you're like, Doug, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. I lost my job or I'm living on unemployment or I'm working three jobs or we just can't right now. Thank you for being here. Love you. You will not get any less love, care, uh, ministry than what you're already getting here now because you're a part of this family, and that's that. 
But I am going to just ask you to pray about it. And just say, God, is, is there something that I can give? Is there something that I can give? Some of us are in great need right now. Some of us are squeaking by. Some of us are in a good place. So is there something that I can do to be a part of this? I believe many of us are going to be led to be a part of this. And here's what I love about Nehemiah's story. If you look at Nehemiah 3, it says this, and I can't pronounce all these names right, so you can make fun of me. Thankfully, it's not a screen, so you can't tell if I'm getting it right or wrong. But here are some names. Ready? It says, Elishab went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. And then it says, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section. So Elishab is building the sheep gate, and the other guys are building the adjoining section, and Zakor, son of Imri, built next to them. And then the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hesena. I guess they got to keep those fish in with that gate, man, the sheep, you know. They got the, the sheep gate, the fish gate. They laid its beams and, and put its doors and bolts and bars in place and on and on. It goes literally, Nehemiah 3, just lists all the different people. He built this part. He built that part. They did this part. They did this part, which I love. Why do I love that? Because it's just everybody doing what they can. Nehemiah didn't build the whole wall himself. It wasn't one rich dude in Jerusalem that built everything himself, said, here's all the money, go do it. No, everybody just did what they could. And so I'm not asking any one person here to give a million dollars. I mean, if you got it in your trunk and you're not going to do anything with it, you know. Actually, if it's in your trunk, I don't want it. It's shady. It's shady. It's probably next to a body or something. So I don't, I don't want that. But we think it'll be that much more special and powerful if we've all just done our part, what we can. And I would imagine back in Nehemiah's day, there were some people that probably couldn't do anything. And they were still part of that city, weren't they? But then there were others that said, I can do the sheep gate. I can't do the fish gate. That's a, that's a tricky one. I'll, I'll do the sheep gate. And somebody else said, well, we'll do the adjoining section. Somebody else said, well, I'm over here. And I love that we all just get to play our part. And so how does this work? Well, we've been coached by some really brilliant guys who work with churches all over the nation, churches 10 times the size of us. And they've coached us in how to encourage you guys to help kind of just bring this all together. Because I think a lot of us think, oh my gosh, this is probably going to cost millions of dollars. We don't have millions of dollars. I don't know anyway. So I don't know what I could do. Well, here's what they've helped us understand. That if we can kind of break this down into like a three-year time frame, then maybe we could all kind of play our part over that time. Not everybody's got $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 in the bank to just go here. But maybe we could give $5,000 over the next three years. Maybe we can, you know, monthly pay it off. Or maybe we could give a little bit up front and then the rest pay off over time and, and just kind of make a, a pledge or a commitment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone. And I want you to download, not download, but open up the Living Word app, okay? I know you have it because you signed up to get here, okay? So you got it on your phone, so you can't fool me. I don't have it. Yeah, you do. You signed up. All right, so take out your phone. And I want you to look at the signups part of the app. And if you don't want to do this right now, just play Tetris or something, okay? So I want you to hit the signups button. And then I want you to look for Reach LI Campaign slash New Building, okay? It's just one form. And you can open it up. And it, all, what you are seeing there is what I'm seeing right here in my notes. And basically what we need are different types of commitments. We need 200 people to give 3,000 over the next three years. We need 20 to give 10,000, 20 to give 15,000. You can see on your app there, it kind of keeps going. Then it gets higher. There's five people, 30,000 over the next three years, three, 40,000 over the next three years, and so on and so forth. And when we do that, we will be well on our way towards seeing this thing built. We need more than that, but this is a great start for you and I to look at. And I don't have an exact figure to give you. I know probably about what it's going to cost, but I've been told, don't say it yet because it could change. And you guys know the economy we're living in right now. I don't know if you've been to Home Depot lately, but a piece of wood that used to cost $7 costs 90 right now. 
okay? And so it's actually a good thing that we're not right now ready to build because they're, they're hoping and praying that things are going to kind of normalize over the next six months or so, at least come down. And so in the next six months, RGC will be bidding projects. We're going to get moving on this. I'm so excited about that. He's going to be hiring plumbers, hiring electricians, hiring people to do concrete, hiring, like that's all going to be starting up in these next six months. So we're really starting to get somewhere. The building project will not take three years. Some of you guys heard me say, give over three years. Does that mean we have to wait three years? No. Uh, One of the reasons is because the school building is actually being sold probably two years from now. And our general contractor knows that. And he's like, we're going to make that happen before that school's sold. So it's probably going to be about a perfect transition for us to leave the school and come be right here. And so we're excited about that. But one of the things I got to celebrate, and this is super exciting, you guys better get excited about this, okay? You guys got to get pumped about what I'm about to say, because we think that here at Living Word, the leaders have to go first. We think that if we don't start and we don't sacrifice first, then nobody else should. And so what's happened is 27 families and individuals within our church, our staff, our elders, and many of the leaders within the church and families within the church that have just been a part of things, have been part of our volunteer teams, led them, been a part of community groups, like these types of families that are just kind of fundamental here. Basically what happened was we got together and we decided to kind of get in on this pledging early so that we could kind of just get the ball rolling and inspire you guys. And so on December 10th, 27 families and individuals within our church committed to to giving $617,422 over the next several years. So we got to get excited about that because that's a huge start. Now, on top of that, we already have $454,000 in the savings and $200,000 of that $617,000 that those families have pledged has already been given. So we, by God's grace, already are looking at over a million dollars toward this new building. So we're so excited. And again, we wanted the staff, the elders, and these leaders and core families to go first. We think that's really important. And so we're excited about what will happen next. But I just wanted to kind of kick this off today, look a little bit of Nehemiah's story, and look you in the eyes, those squinty eyes out there, and say, let's start building. Let's start this good work. We're excited about what God's done here. And what I want you to do is just pray about this vision. I want you to just ask God, God, do you want me to be a part of it? And again, please hear me. If you are not supposed to be a part of this, I don't want you to be a part of it. I want you to do what God tells you to do. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Just do what you're led to do. So pray about if you should be a part of it and pray about what you should give if you should be a part of it. And again, we think that we have to kind of start this as leaders and and really kind of lead us the way. And I'll tell you what, our staff has given sacrificially toward this. We're in on this. We are owning this. We're with you. Um, Sunday, May 23rd, two weeks from today. And we're going to ask that anyone that feels like they're supposed to be a part of this will make their pledge that day. You can, again, you can give up front. You can give over the three years. You can give a mixture of ways, however works best for you. But you can check out that app and um, you can continue to look up that Reach LI form and see what God leads you to do. But I think if we were to do this, we're going to just see God rebuild life after life in powerful ways. So just raise your hand again if you attended the building on Wisconsin Highway ever. Okay, cool. When we left that building, it was emotional, wasn't it? And I think there was a few reasons. I think one reason is because some of you guys got married there. Some of you guys got baptized there. Some of you guys met 
a great friend there. Some of you guys just remember some stupid thing I did on stage and you all laughed at me, you know. Like there are a lot of reasons to love that old building. There were some special things that happened there. But I think the reason we were most emotional is because some of us met Jesus there. Some of us had our lives transformed there. Somebody once prayed for us there, and man, God just spoke through them so powerfully. And you remember where you were standing in that room when it happened. When we leave the school, it'll be emotional. Why? Because over half of you have joined us since we started at the school. And you got saved there, maybe, or you rededicated your life there, or God began to work on your life and give you hope and purpose and direction, or he came through with a miracle, he touched your body, he, he began to work on a relationship. And so it'll be a little bit emotional when we leave there. But now, if we could just kind of multiply what happened in 347 and in the school building, we can multiply that out to a building here that can seat four or 500 people on this beautiful property. We can come out here after church and chill, make a fire when I'm not sitting on it, and enjoy that. Can you just imagine what the Lord might do here? Can you imagine what he might do for our kids and our grandkids? Can you imagine the legacy we can leave? Can you imagine what Jesus might do right here? Some of you really don't care about a building, but you have huge needs. And what we learned from Nehemiah today is that great vision is birthed in response to great need. And there is a God who wants to give you vision for those needs. So what I want to ask you to do is bring to him your needs. Say, God, what's your heart for this? God, my need is that I'm depressed all day, every day. Give me a vision for this. What do you want to do? God, my need is this relationship has completely tanked. Lord, what do you want to do? Allow him to speak into that need, whatever it would be. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, God has a vision for your life. And Nehemiah saw his city and his heart was broken for the people. Jesus saw his people and his heart broke for it. And he came. Nehemiah journeyed far to get to be back with his people and rebuild. And Jesus came to you and I and didn't send a representative, didn't send a little email or a little text to earth. Hey, hey, just keep on trying. No, he said, you cannot do this on your own. I'm going to save and rescue you with my own blood. And he died for you and me. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, we'd love for you to, to do that in just a minute with me. But church, today, let me look you in those eyes and say, let us start rebuilding. Let us start this good work. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this property, for this day where we get to be out here with you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful. You, like Nehemiah said years ago, you are awesome and loving. And God, you have placed this community on our hearts. You are already working here, but God, we want to see you do more. And so Lord, please, God, would you rebuild this community on you. We need you more than ever. We are further from you than ever. We are more broken than ever. Jesus, we need to be rebuilt in you. And so God, I just pray you'll speak to us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to, to pray one of two prayers right now? Number one would be, God, am I supposed to be a part of this? And if so, how much? Number two prayer is, God, what vision do you have for the needs in my life? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. If you want to put your trust in him, you can say something like this, Jesus, thank you for coming to rescue me. You saw me in my brokenness and you came. Jesus, I thank you for your love, for your forgiveness, for your mercy. Show me how real you are and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. In your name I pray.